0: Today's episode of In the Trenches is brought to you by System 12 Guitar Method. Sign up today at ryanroxy.com. In the Trenches with Ryan Roxy. Hello, 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 and welcome to a live stream episode of In the Trenches. I am your host, Ryan Roxy. What is happening, folks? A special episode today. Every episode special, isn't it? They're so special. First thing I want you to do, you know the routine. I need you to do subscribe right now. This is your first time watching on our YouTube official channel. That's where we want you to be because that's where the live chat is. We can uh, post up your responses, your loves, your hates, your I don't cares, but you're going to care today. I'm telling you you're going to care. <laughs> and I also want you... If you're listening to our audio platforms, thank you very much. Whether it's uh, Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Stitcher, any of those, thank you very much. But you're going to want to see our guest. You're you're going to want to experience our guest, and you're going to want to experience our show, especially our intro, because guess what, folks? All the way from South Africa, that's where we're recording it from today. We're on location. I have the voice of In the Trenches Tess Faber, right here. Here she is. Can you please take us into the intro? Can you just say, uh, In the Trenches with Ryan Roxy? In the Trenches with Ryan Roxy. There it is, Tess (laughs) So (laughs) That's the voice of In the Trenches. So, Tess, uh, we're going to have you on as a whole another complete episode, but now Vic is going to give you the hook. I'm going to give you the hook. Uh, (laughs) But uh, follow her on her Instagram. Uh, Vic, we can put up that... uh, Tag one more time. Thank you very much. Tess Farber, everybody. Give her a hand. Cool, guys. There you go. Bye. Enjoy <laughs> Thank you very much, Tess. So, yes, we are in South Africa for the next two weeks, I believe. Um, that's what we're doing here. But uh, on with the show. See ya. Guess what? Welcome to In the Trenches. In his own words, he's certifiable, folks. A misfit, a reject, a malcontent and a troublemaker and in his email description alone, he's a cynical idealist, all right? Most importantly, he's a guitarist. It's been an important ingredient to many rock bands for their success, an important ingredient for their recipe for success, I should say. And we're gonna try to unravel the mystery, the riddle, the enigma, today here in the trenches of who is, what is why is let's welcome him into the trenches mr alex kane hello alex Ta-da!
1: hey what's, what's going on brother how you doing man well, that, that was quite an intro there i'm like wow you've just yeah you've just exposed way. the entire existence of my being Oh, man, I'm like wait a minute how do I be a reject wait uh I'm a misfit and I think you've actually like made it so I'll never get hired again now oh we don't need the misfit reject <laughs> no
0: no they, they mm. want, that. They want if you, that
1: if you have Ryan Roxy cups you should send them out to all your guests because like right now you know what I mean you could just be staring at you instead of me
0: that's an amazing idea. Or I could just put it a- on <laughs> Ryan and say that the coffee cups are available for purchase to all our guests, as well as all of our. So yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, we get like the artist discount, right? <laughs> right now. Hey, nobody else is, but nobody's nobody else is paying our bills so i mean part of the thing is you gotta adapt or die so i totally back that you know so just put the link up let's do it right now i sell like used (laughs) clothes (laughs) alex
0: our our producer Vic chalfont is so damn quick you know he's got the he's got the link up right away but he's gonna be a really good one because when i was doing the research for this podcast i realized you are a prime candidate for being in the trenches you have been in the trenches for um you know for just always.
2: like
0: me we've always been in yeah. the trenches brother i love it and we speak the same musical yeah. language in so many ways and the, the way we start things off here in the trenches we uh go back to get forward so Vic, take us there. oh god no <laughs> Chicago roots. That's where I'm gonna yeah. start with. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say you have Chicago roots um, because I yeah. know you do, but somebody somebody whispered in my ear that you weren't you weren't born in Chicago, but is that true? Oh, no, no. were you
1: Yeah yeah no uh, well actually we, we uh, uh, immigrated from Europe. So I was actually born in Europe and then um, uh, literally what happened was uh, a dad uh, waltzed into a, a really shitty position at a, uh, at a a company called, um, uh, what was it, Lowry, uh, which was a a musical instrument company in Chicago and, uh, somehow he'd gotten their number and he called them up and he's got a real heavy accent, right? He was born in Argentina, but he went to school in Germany. Oh, am I there? Uh, he was born in Argentina, but went to school in, in, uh, in Germany. And uh, he literally called up this company. Uh, we moved to Chicago from Europe and called them up and uh, uh, said, uh, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm calling you uh, regarding whatever business card or whatever it was. And the guy that he got on the phone actually thought that um, it was somebody who was already employed at the company. This is a true story. Employed at and
0: the company. Isn't. He just grifted he just his <sighs> way right into the gig.
1: Well, he he didn't know he was grifting because, yeah, exactly. That's the best kind of grift when you're not even aware of it. And and the guy thought he was somebody, he thought it was somebody that was already employed there playing a joke on him. He said, yeah, sure, come in, I'll interview you. And dad being like right literally off the boat went down there and got a job uh, in the mail room because the guy was too embarrassed to admit. That, oh, I thought you were, you know, John, that works in accounting or whatever, playing a joke when you called. And then he started in the mailroom and then a brief summation of his life. uh, And uh, he was actually, uh, he's uh, 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 in a nutshell. Uh, which is pretty much, I mean, we can actually end the interview after what I'm about to say. (laughs) In a a nutshell, he's as brilliant a man as he is a shitty father, and he's a pretty shitty father. But that doesn't mean that he's inept at his skill set um other than parenting and um uh there was something where they were doing a a convention or whatever and they had a problem with an electric accordion and uh uh he studied engineering and here's the mailroom guy he goes oh i think i can fix that for you mr whatever and uh he just started his he started his ascent um in the company uh ended up as an accordion Wow. Well, yeah, that was, well, no, like, blagging his way in on a on, a, on a thought-to-be-comedy phone call, you know what I mean? And then he ended up the vice president of Roland. <laughs> so it's like, what? what that?
0: Well, Roland is now scathed in controversy. I love it. That's the way he's, he's right out of the gate within the trenches. So that means there was no shortage. What, what happened? Well, there was... The, are you, you're there. You're kind of frozen. It's okay. Hopefully you can, um, yeah, we're, we're going to have some Wi-Fi issues today, folks. Hopefully it's not me uh, down here in South Africa. It might be the Wi-Fi in America today. Vic, am I coming through okay? Give me a thumbs up. Okay. So the thing is, because you were associated with the Roland family, there probably wasn't a shortage of uh, keyboards or pedal boss effects laying around your house but when was there a guitar lying around and what was the first thing that got you into the guitar itself
1: i um i, I don't know but um I, I have a picture that i literally found of me i'm I'm at my mom's house now, in case anybody doesn't know, I'm taking care of her because of the old age and the pandemic and everything. Um, But uh, so I'm trying to make sense out of the piles of, you know, 40 years of accumulation. And uh, so I'm going through this pile. I find a a picture of me literally as an infant, literally as an infant. And uh, I'm holding a ukulele. I didn't I'd never even known anything about that picture or that attraction of the instrument. But there is a picture of me in black and white because back then there were Vic, dinosaurs. I, I'm going to ask our
0: producer. Vic, can you put up that photo right now? Of no, Do you not have it? Um, OK, so Vic, our producer does not have the photo.
1: No, no I can get I it. All it's, <laughs> Don't
0: worry. All right. We're going to move all right, on. I'll be moving I'll, on. I'll, Hold on. We don't want you to go away. We want you to be here because guess what? Oh, okay. He's <laughs> been working tirelessly on other photos because we're moving on to the sort of Chicago scene. And this is one okay. of the clubs that sure. I, I I talk about a lot in interviews. For some reason, um, thir- the Thirsty I, Whale. Is the, thir- is the Thirsty Whale part of your history?
1: Um, okay. Yeah yeah the thirsty whale the thirsty whale yep oh my vengeance holy crap <laughs> yeah. wow i remember mean, are you
0: 86 from the are you banned from the thirsty whale or do would they still allow you to go in there if it was still a business and i'm, I'm assuming it's not a business anymore
1: um let's see. no it's a parking lot now actually it's a it's a parking lot. They, they they tore it down from what I understand and they they took they took all of they took the wellspring of our youth where we were growing up and learning how to behave like idiots in public for a living um, and they just flattened it and turned it into a parking lot metaphorically I don't know what that says but yeah the thirsty whale it started I mean there was so much of what all of us who came from Chicago um, began at the thirsty whale. You know what I mean? Like uh, uh and I'm not saying this to be like sensationalistic or whatever, but um holy shit, let me hang on, let me get a glasses on here. I want to see who else is in this ad. Oh, there's enough's enough. Yeah, yeah. Infinity uh sweet wow. Yeah. Radical tribute. Yeah, yeah, I would. Yeah, I would think. I guess. Sweet yeah. tribute, though. I, I no, that was probably like Sweet Cheater or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, remember how I like every how every city had a band called Sweet Cheater, and every city yeah. had a band called uh, Exodus. Uh, 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 G- Exodus. Yeah, ex- or yeah, Gypsy something. Or something toys, right? Um, And one of the things. Always. Hey, I ended up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, it's because apparently S's are in short supply. If you remember the great S shortage of the 1980s, (laughs) (laughs) I
0: I remember that shortage because I was actually in a band called The Noise Boys, both with Z. N O I. Z. D O Y Z, uh, Vic. Do you have a picture of the Noise Boys? He, I'm telling. I'm. Oh. <laughs> there's that picture of you that, with the ukulele. I love it. Nicely done.
1: I, I was a. I was. I was born a young Hispanic child. <laughs> um, uh, was I? And you know I'm what? what and, and it, <laughs> right. right. They, you know. I know. Yeah. Like. Like. I was. Yeah. They. You know. I, um. They uh, 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 and it was something that it's been. Uh, it's taken me about thirty years, and I want to mention this to you because uh, uh, back in the day when we first got to know each other, back in the nineties or whenever it was, I knew about the Noise Boys, and you almost created the Z Shush. Now I was in a band called Life. S- Sex and Death, and we just happened to get like the one S that was left over, but we were almost called Life, Zex, and Death, with two Zs and two Xs, so Z, Z, E, X, X, but you had Noise Boys, and we had to change our name, our logo, you know, (laughs) you know what
0: that's all hearsay that's all you know and in the trenches we deal with facts that's, that's all right. that's, about. that's about and we're talking about chicago we're here folks oh, right, yeah alex came chicago's own alex came but we're talking about the journey from alex uh going to europe being born in europe coming over to america then eventually going into the uh sort of Seedy America, which is Los Angeles that we know about, and then making his way back into Europe. But that'll come very shortly, folks. So welcome to In the Trenches. Um, I do just want to touch on the Thirsty Whale one more time because I did play the Thirsty Whale when I was was in a band called Electric Angels, and we were on tour with Danger Danger. We were on tour with Danger Danger, and I'm wondering if you might have been at that show at the Thirsty Whale. What year was that? That was 1980, probably 1989.
1: Well, mm-hmm. more than more than likely, because one, it rings a bell, which is why I made that face when you first said it. And uh, <laughs> where are you from originally?
0: I'm originally from the Bay Area, from like the outside the, San Francisco, Pleasanton, California.
1: Okay. Uh, I used to about live me. in Petaluma. About
0: me. It's about me.
1: well yeah but what you don't know is that i've been yeah i did i did i was the only guy who didn't wear a cowboy hat and did have tattoos on his face i was as unemployable in petaluma as had i been like i don't know what a serial killer you know um actually that was pretty inappropriate because i think there was a serial killer up there wasn't there
0: and now and now i'll bet you you have a cowboy hat and I can obviously tell you have some face tattoos as well.
1: Well, I had these already, but I did, I tried to, bl- dude, I was in, I remember I was in a band up there, right? It was called Suck. Um, uh, and It was a power pop band, and this was right after Light, Sex, and Death. And we're jumping around, but that's the coffee. We'll blame it on the coffee.
0: Was, it, was uh, that Suck with a K or with it with a C? Uh,
1: no, it was, uh, it was uh, four Zs and two Ks. <laughs> Because we learned our lesson after Noise Boys, and we're like, no, fucking take all the Z's that are left. Fuck that guy. But that was
0: basically our motto Noise Boys, fuck those guys. That was basically our <laughs> tagline.
1: And that was with it was G U Y Z Z if I remember right. <laughs> wow, we're going deep. We're going deep. Yeah, we are. We're going we <laughs> deep. Um, well, I mean, the the the. So when I don't know what it was like in in Frisco, but you know, I mean like a lot of times you go back home and you kind of like walk where you grew up and stuff you don't really you didn't realize at the time wow that was a whole bunch of provincial thinking and i should have been thinking a little i should have seen the world in a bigger scope rather than in you know what i mean and uh and i'm not saying this in any way being dismissive or whatever but the the epiphany when life sex and death and i think we were we were life sex and death we started out as a band called bottom yeah there we are
0: what did you start, and that's where we're getting to, because I I, I want to say that Life, Sex, and Death um, started, did you play the Thirsty Whale? Did you ever have gigs there?
1: Yeah. Well, we had, um, I mean, the exact sequence of events was, um, uh, I didn't start playing out until relatively um uh, I mean, well, you know, I was 21 late in life, I guess. Um, but you know what I mean? Like you, you'd kind of, uh, like, uh, generally speaking, like it's good to be playing out as soon as possible if you're going to sort of, uh, 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 relegate your life to this lifestyle. But, um, True. uh, so I, I'd, I'd been right. I mean, it's just, but I didn't, I didn't. So I had to make up a lot of lost ground in, in a short amount of time, but, um, uh, i was the first oh my god that's right the first band that i ever played out with was in 1984 um and it was called no excuse and it was me um uh Artianus, whom we lost to cancer about 20 years ago um randy antlept and lizzie lizzie valentine from demalls do you remember demalls yes. at all
0: I, I of course of course i do lizzie uh I think I think Lizzie slept with an ex-girlfriend of mine. Um, it might have been. Was he the, the good-looking brunette guitar player, right?
1: No. Well, he was a bass player.
0: Okay. Okay. Bass play. Well. Okay. Uh, but he was good-looking and brunette and kind of curlyish long hair.
1: No. No. I. I. Well, first of all, I would never. I'm no disrespect, but I've never been attracted to Lizzie. So, but that's cool. To each his own. I'm good with that. Um, oh, we're talking
0: about my ex uh, at this point. But I, I'm really. I'm just trying to uh, solve a mystery. Maybe she said she slept with the with the bass player, but she really meant the guitar player. I don't know. Maybe you know what? Maybe it was the keyboard player. Well, no, DeMalls didn't have a keyboard sorry, player. Uh-huh.
1: Have a keyboard player. Um, I think it may have been the. I think it may have been the drummer mm-hmm. though, because he had, he had curly hair, and while I wouldn't necessarily classify him attractive, um, uh, but I get it. Uh, well let's, she let's, was, let's immediately she was, let
0: immediately uh, stop you know what let's immediately stop making this podcast about my ex-girlfriend sleeping with a
1: and move on. <laughs> <laughs> Alright let's talk about my ex-girlfriend that slept with him. <laughs>
0: Who didn't? It was either DeMals or the
1: Noise Boys. <laughs> Well, I mean, remember when we were little and stuff, and it was like, I mean, it was just, I mean, we came up in the 80s, so anybody who didn't come up in the 80s didn't really experience, like, self-destruction. There it is. That's actually a picture from my first gig right there. That um, actually
0: might be the, the bass player it was- of DeMauld's. That actually might be the bass player of Demals. We don't know. <laughs>
1: Well, and we can still bring the girls up on charges if that's the case. So it's a win-win, basically. Um, a, what do you mean he got his show canceled? <laughs> I was only on there once. Um, but uh,
0: trying, every Okay, we're, I think the point is the takeaway from this is what you're trying to say is that in the 80s, everybody's with everybody.
1: All right, so let's just leave it at that. Everybody, and I was... Yeah but it totally wasn't like it got to the point where like your soul got destroyed so early on in the process that by the time like the 90s rolled around no wonder everybody stopped being glam and got all depressed because they just had seven years of like everybody's just banging each other and whatever and you're kind of like well wait a minute we were going out last last week you were my oh because he sold out the thirsty whale you're gonna leave me for him right um damn you thirsty whale (laughs) (laughs) Whale. dream crusher but we i mean we got up to some crazy ass shit in that place man that was like as far as because when i'm sorry go on
0: no that that's what i was going to say about sex and yes yes i'm gonna I'm, i'm gonna talk a little bit about that that period of time when life, sex and death did form, it was, it was that sort of transitional period. I feel it was right. before you know, when, when, at the end of hair metal, but the beginning of grunge, I would say, or yeah. there's somewhere, and, and, and you guys sort of filled such a special void. I mean, the, 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 the bands and the, uh, the, the, the style of the music, it crossed a lot of cool, of uh, uh, it ticked Genres. a lot of boxes for me. Yeah, it ticked a lot of boxes for me. You had that Chicago cheat trick sort like, of pop sensibility, but you also had from, oh wow! Look at that, folks! Look it's, at that! That's Rick Nielsen it's, it's, in in the trenches, alumni yeah. right on his arm. Is that is that
1: the d- bass player of Demolition? <laughs> no, that's your ex girlfriend. <laughs> no, that's uh, that's Bernie Tournay. <laughs> who is? Tell me about Bernie. Uh, is. Uh, Bernie uh, Bernie Tournay. Um, uh, when when he was little, he got the job in Gillen, right? And he and then when Randy died, he was the guy they called. Do you remember that?
0: Wow, I did not. I don't know that story.
1: Before Brad Gillis. Got the Aussie gig. The first guy they called was Bernie Torme. Wow! Can you go back to talking to uh, the
0: tattoo on your arm? I want to go back and interview Bernie, and just you can do the voice of Bernie. So, how how did what was it like getting that call, Bernie? Is you know after you know the passing of Randy, which was was so (laughs)
1: it
0: was tragic. Well, you know.
1: Well, you know, mate, it's been
0: <laughs> um, it's okay. and, and madness, folks, madness on today's program, because we are here with Alex Kane. I knew it would be nothing short uh, <laughs> of so <bad>. <laughs> What? A,
1: no, why bad. did he have that guy? Um, and not to bring a downer on anything, but we actually did lose Bernie a couple of years ago, which is why I got this. Um, okay. uh, he was a huge inspiration he was a huge inspiration to me um uh like i discovered him through ozzy and of course i was a randy guy but so then bernie being the you know and he was kind of like he looked cool and he had cool moves but he also had chops and stuff so then i became um uh, i was a huge huge fan and i bought his albums and i learned the riffs and like i stole a bunch of a bunch of stuff from bernie torme um and then he did a Uh, 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 he was one of the first guys that was making albums independently through like GoFundMe and stuff, or it wasn't GoFundMe at the time. It was, uh, I think it was Kickstarter or whatever. Yeah, it was Kickstarter because, um, as I hear, this is only what I've heard. Uh, but, and Bernie Torme is someone that I would, people in England and stuff will know who Bernie Torme is, but I do, I, uh, he's an important artist and I do, um, Hope that everybody will take some time to go investigate how Bernie played. and um, He was he's, he was the guy who, after Girl broke up, right? Phil Lewis, Phil Collin, right? Of course, Remember yes. Girl? After, after Girl broke up, Bernie, who had been out of Ozzy, and Phil Lewis started a band called Torme with Chris Heilman from Shark Island before there was a Shark Island
0: which is another one of your ticks on the boxes of the bands that you've been in. So look at there. there's, I'm going to get some comments. There's no doubt about it. This asshole didn't know about Bernie's story, but I'm so glad that we've had you Alex Kane to okay. clear up the story of Bernie and give Like on respect. the mug. Nope. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Dude, he was—he was. He was um, um, first of all, he was a really, really great guy, and uh, he helped me make the second anti-product album while I was living in uh, uh, England, um, and we became really, really good friends. And um, um, I'm not—I mean, if you're. If you're a musician and, you know, either you can back me up on this or you can deny <laughs> that what I'm saying is in any way true, of course. But, um, you know, if you're a musician, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're always the most sort of socially adept, you know, garrulous, kind of like, let's go, you know, but we have the ability to put on a certain frame of mind that allows us to communicate. But that doesn't mean when we're kind of just like hanging out by ourselves we oh, Where's my entourage? You know what I mean? I'm I'm pretty insular. I'm I'm I'm, I'm an only child. I'm happy with my own company. I, I enjoy the creative process more than anything. Um, uh, so uh, not needing to be social is something that comes naturally to me, but then being able to be social in the right environment, I can do that too. And Bernie was the same way, like he didn't really, he wasn't really, uh, he didn't like people any more than I do, I guess. Um, So we immediately had a kinship and here was this guy that like, you know, whose records I would buy and I would look at the picture and I'd be like, oh, I wonder if I ever get to be buddies with him and you know, how amazing would it be? And then, you know, I became friends with him uh, later in his life. and we definitely and so for Bertie Torme, again, whom it's T O R M E, so I do encourage rich people search, to go. Right? Yeah. 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 Or just, you know, Ozzy's first replacement. He was the guy he was the guy that learned the Ozzy set on the Walkman on the plane as he was flying over. You know what I mean? So and there was like it was like a sound check at Madison square garden rehearsal, you know, that's respect um,
0: because it, because to fill to fill anything close to Randy Rhodes shoes at that time his you know, Randy Rhodes, obviously a big influence of yours, an influence of mine. We'll get into to his name in just a little bit. Um, but yeah, I, I, we this sort of circles back to life, sex and death because as uh, does
1: everything. I'm, so,
0: Well, you came at that time, the band came to about about this transitional time in music and the, the story goes, you know, do you feel that you you stepped in, you stepped in to the music business in a good time or you stepped into it during a misstep of time because it was going through this transitional period? How do you how do you look back upon it?
1: um uh this is exactly how i look back on that um uh if, if regardless of when you came out that's when you came out you know what i mean so i am not anti-grunge you know what i mean i i loved nirvana and i loved uh sound and you know elements of pearl jam but you know not necessarily as much um, hated Bush, still hate Bush, have nothing but contempt for Bush, I have to admit. Um, but uh, 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 so I don't I find nothing wrong with the time. And, um, and and we literally when we got our record deal, it was literally the same month that Nevermind came out. Right. So we were right at the cross we were right at the crossroads and uh somewhere between um uh good fortune and uh bad luck um what we felt we needed to do to um survive uh came really at a perfect time because i don't know that the persona of stanley would have really been taken seriously at any other point in rock and roll history except at that crossroads when nobody really knew what the hell was going to happen next, you know what I mean? So we were we were we were kind of heavy and weird and but none of us had a z in our name. Thanks to you, by the way. <laughs>
0: yeah, thanks to me. But the thing is, you know, I, I for one, let me have let me Count counter you with a couple points. I'm a little bit surprised that you were so anti-Bush, being that you were born in the '60s like myself, and you grew up in the '70s. So we all had our dad's Playboy magazines. So there was plenty of Bush to go around. (laughs) But now hold on. Now, that's my first point. My second point is, you know, coming from Chicago, you guys, (laughs) you know, you guys. Had a bit of, I would say it wasn't 50 50 cheap trick cartoon versus, you know, it was like basically in, if you took the cartoonishness out of it and turned it into like this weird um, Hunter S. Thompson novel and made the character that, but, but like, you know, completely what the acid trippy like. Then you had one quarter of that and then you had three kind of the cool rock and rollers. And I, and I remember back in those days, you were pretty much the lead interview that would do most of the talking. So you were, it It was a little bit opposite of Cheat Trick in the, in the way that uh, Robin Zander never did, uh, you know, interviews back in those days, even though he was one of the, you know, one of the rock star guys, but you, you being the cute Robin Zander sort of figure, but you were also very well-spoken and, you know, you were riding high a little bit because of your, you know, uh, of the whole entire scene. I've seen you front most of the interviews back in those days.
1: Um, well, let's see. I mean, OK, so I'm really loath to attach ego to anything just because I think ego destroys. But so let's just assume that I'm not basing this in ego because um, uh, I'm not. Uh, it was you know i was a little bit more experienced than the other guys you know what i mean i I'd, I'd been in more more stuff right um but uh, the exact sequence of events was no excuse with lizzie from DeMaul's, ex-girlfriends notwithstanding <laughs> um and uh and then he introduced me to chris stan uh, Chris Stan, which is Stanley's real name, is Chris Stan. Um, and he'd always been telling me about, oh, you got to meet my friend Chris. You got to meet me. He's so creative. This, that, and the other thing. And I met him at the very first show, ironically enough. Chris Stan was at the very first show I ever played in my life. Um, uh, first which well? is tell no 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 actually no it was uh it was four we were no excuse was in a uh, battle of the bands there it is again <laughs> we should put tattoos photo, Vic. <laughs> well, the, or the next time put some tattoos on the face so at least you know we know if it's brian or myself um but uh and uh uh uh, it was for a a battle of the bands which was on a cable show and so the very first show that i ever did there was a bunch of fucking uh cameras up my ass and in my face and whatever and you know and, and so i never had time to kind of be nervous i was like all right you're on now um and then that's where i met chris and then through some weird sequence of events i ended up going down and jamming with their band which was called bottoms up right um and that was chris Chris, um, Billy Gar, the bass player from Life, Sex, and Death, different drummer, different other guitar player, Dave Jezel. Dave went on to uh, become a, a therapist. And uh, it's not coincidental. Like, he was like, the only way that I can get through my life and all of this PTSD. Steve from working with these motherfuckers. If I go into therapy, and meaning that I became a he became a therapist, and we we still actually call him up. You know, well, look, I'm busy living in delusion. Can you be honest with me? Because I can't. Um, and uh, 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 so anyway, that formed that formed bottoms up, and and it was obvious that Dave was um, intending on a different career tra- trajectory, and he's got like the beautiful life and everything now. So is the right choice, and we. All three free therapy, so there's a, an added bonus to that, but um, and then uh, then I joined Bottoms Up, and then Jim Bashaw, the drummer at the time, had started playing with some other local bands. so there was hatred and rivalry between whatever. I think he maybe it wasn't DeMalls at first, maybe maybe it was well, DeMaul's that he right left now, us for
0: because one of the bands, another band. Uh, in the trenches favorites that we've had on, we've had chips enough on before you were in an ups and up. Was this before life, sex and death? And yeah. Was it direct well, around that whole
1: time? Well, the exact, the exact sequence of events was um, I got in bottoms up, We gigged around Chicago, Thirsty Whale and whatever, you know, and started to I mean, we never like everybody in Chicago in the mid 80s was doing either uh, Motley Crue or Iron Maiden. Right. And more so, (laughs) uh, more so, um, more so the Maiden thing than the Motley Crue thing. Something about the Midwest and, you know, industrial town and all of that. So more people were kind of doing the Maiden. Uh, metal kind of thing, you know. Um, right. And uh, um, uh, so Bottoms Up was the antithesis of all of that. We were heavy, but we were based in, like, if the Ramones and Cheap Trick were ACDC with, like, kind of juvenile lyrics. That's what bottoms up was and not juvenile and like, you know, we're idiots, but just like, you know, like we had songs, like she's got nuts and, you know, things like that. Um, and that was all Chris's material, by the way. And, um, yeah, well, I uh, mean, and then, so the life, I got sex
0: into when life, sex, sex and death took off. Obviously a lot of those song titles. What are your most pop songs? You
1: know, this fucking shit ass. You know yeah fucking shit ass yeah well you know uh well that that kind of that dovetails with everything real nicely i mean uh, it the sequence of events and this will kind of sort of backtrack in a logical way but the sequence of events was no excuse enough's enough uh no 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 excuse bottoms up then and this i don't know you know you know this but like my first sort of big regional touring gig i replaced michael angelo <laughs> I know. You're like I yeah. this Michelangelo? Are you, are you like? And you're hand to God, there's pictures. Yeah, the first gig they they had a deal on Atl- they had a deal on Atlantic and Tom Worman produced the record and they were I was maybe twenty two or something like that. Um uh and they were already in their thirties. Right. So they'd been around and, and they'd done a bunch of crap. And, you know, Badio was the guitar player. And when I was a kid, like when I, you know, when I was old enough to get into bars, um, uh, they were really big regionally. So I would be in the front row watching that guy play and doing all the thingies and all of it, you know. Um, and just he was like the um, the 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 local guy. I, you know, he was our Eddie Van Halen or whatever. Like, he was the sort of the, uh, the, the victory the of the of charge or whatever you want.
0: picture of Michelangelo. He's shaking his head. No, what do you say? You know what? You know, you Michelangelo, you're going to either get the Sistine Chapel or a guy that plays with two guitars. And I guarantee it's yeah. the guy that played with two guitars. Mm-hmm. And that's amazing.
1: So, no, the other. Michael- it's the other Michelangelo. I replaced the guy who played I did the Sistine Chapel. The
0: painter? Oh, yeah. That, that, the story gets even more amazing because we're I look, with Alex Kane on In the Trenches, folks. <laughs> I'm, trying to, I'm trying to do – because I know if we go through this whole history, if we go through this whole history, <laughs> you, Alex, it's, yeah, we're, no, we're going to break the Internet. So right now I'm going to try and uh, sort of summarize it. I'm going to summarize it just a little bit because I know that because we're going to get to this next part because a lot of the folks that have been uh, watching and supporting the show um, over the last year and a half are have submitted questions as well. We have a part, uh, a portion of the show called Let the People Speak, but I can't get to yes. Let the People Speak until I get to the halfway point of the show. And so let me just surmise real quickly and just give you a, a few of the bands. And we're going to talk more about them in, in, in our second half that Alex Kane has been there. He is. And there he is. there's Michael. Landry. Thank you very much. I love it. And Vic's shaking his head like, I can't believe I had to find that photo on the Internet. You know, that was a great job. And that's great research. I love you for it. Um, so life, sex and death. We've talked about enough's enough uh, bottoms, bottoms up. And uh, but there's a, a lot was, of other bands as well. Oh. Hold on, I, I'm just going to get through it because you are, my friend, are a band leader, and you've had a lot of your own bands that you sort of uh, sort of had. I sure. can tell that you have a very executive role, whether it's anti product. That was one of the bands mm-hmm. as well. Um, you actually. Uh, got into a really great band and you know that i'm a fan of stars we're gonna talk about a little bit later and um one of the uh newer bands that uh, you've sort of recently collaborated with was a band called clam abuse and so we're going to talk about all that kind of stuff in the second half because we're here with alex kane alex hopefully we can um get our internet going up a little bit quicker on our speed but we're going to take a quick halfway break, folks, as we uh, talk about our good friends at Hughes and & Kettner, and then we will come back with Let the People Speak. Right on. Hello, Ryan Roxy here. Okay. And I get well, a lot uh... of questions lately regarding the current guitar amps that are yeah. using. Well, here's the answer. It's the Hughes & Kettner Black Spirit 200 floor model. Because it's roughly the same size as a compact pedal board, it can fit on any stage or desktop easily. But don't let the size fool you inside is packed with a 200 watt power amp a ton of presets and programming options built-in red direct technology plus all the built-in effects you'd want and the secret behind the tone well that's the bionic spirit tone generator which is fully programmable on the amp by using its built-in bluetooth to connect to the app which works seamlessly with both ipad and android devices but probably the best thing about the black spirit 200 is that it's easy to use With its user-friendly setup, I managed to get a great tone going within just a couple of minutes of plugging in. If you're looking for that perfect, compact, all-around amp that covers you in the studio, on the stage, and even live streaming, this is the one. Check out the links for the Hughes & Kentner Black Spirit below or in the description, and let's get rolling. Speaking of rolling, on with the show. There you go. Our friendly sponsors, Hughes and Kettner, one of our great sponsors that support In the Trenches. Of course, the people that are in the trenches are you guys that are all in the chat right now. And thank you so much for supporting the podcast and supporting Alex Kane, our guest today. Um, Literally. Lead guitar player, guitar player. Um, I mean, do you consider yourself a lead guitar player or do you just consider yourself guitarist? Because I know that you've been in a lot of one guitar player bands. You're just like a, you know, masterful guitarist
1: uh prostitute i think is the word you're looking for uh, or or a prostitute <laughs> um i mean i uh 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 okay i mean the only reason i really had to accumulate any chops was uh because of the michelangelo badio thing and the time you know what i mean it was the the 80s and whatever uh uh, but that made me work on getting chops you know what i mean because i'd been like punk rock cheap trick guy i'd like creepy weird things um that were not commonplace Um, And, uh, but so taking Vadio's place made me sit down and woodshed and woodshed and woodshed and woodshed. I will say this, I do think you are a better musician for living life and taking the information that you learn from your experiences and putting them into your music rather more so than showing how Many, uh, Tori's going to fucking bite my head off. Uh, like I'm not a big, I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm not a sweep guy. I I view sweeps as really slow chords. right? Right. Um, but, uh, uh, so, um, uh, so it, it, that to me was a little, again, sort of like ego driven or something, you know, Oh, know, I'm faster or whatever. But then I did have to get a certain amount of chops and stuff, but I was always drawn more to like Adrian blue and, and kind of weirdo guitar players that maybe weren't as technically, technically, uh, proficient, but had ideas because I knew Outside I was never going to keep up with Paul Gilbert. Mm-hmm. That's kind of, for better or for worse, I like that. I was in life, sex, and death, so I do have proof that I'm not Johnny-come-lately to weirdness. <laughs> like, to me, like, we thought that we thought that Stanley, and the way he was presenting himself, we kind of thought, oh, my God, isn't that, like, such a real obvious sellout move? Like, we genuinely thought that was, hmm, it's kind of obvious, you know, having a guy dressed like that running the band, just to show you, um... Uh, so anyway, so that's. You, you,
0: you thought it might it might be gimmick or what? Did, what were you thinking?
1: Oh no, I can. I mean, I. I, I there was no gimmick involved with Stanley, right? <sighs> or not. Well, okay. Uh, well, um, how do I put it? Okay, um, he came from a wealthy family. Okay. Um, and we all, and you might remember this. Remember the Oakwoods? Of course, the Oakwood. Remember Artists. the Oakwood? Yeah. yeah exactly. The actual yeah, exactly. So
0: the Cookwoods.
1: Yeah, well, at the, well, we we didn't move out till 1990, so that was a little bit on the back end of that whole scene. But um, okay. uh, uh and it was it was five of us living in a studio apartment in the Oakwoods, right? So it was the four of us in the band, and then our buddy yeah and it was literally and i hand to god the studio apartment it was five mattresses that we had garbage picked on the floor and there was a little pathway that led from the front door through all the mattresses into the kitchen and the bathroom and we were living with stanley like we were all living together and um Uh, But the point of that, though, was that every night, every night at 10 o'clock p.m., he would get up again coming from an opulent background. He would get up at 10 o'clock at night and he would go and hang out with his friends on the streets and they accepted him and he would come back at, you know, 10 or 11 the next morning. And, you know, it
0: was real. That was real life. It was you, you. You could call it method acting. You could call it, uh, you know, but it was it was. You still had to sleep in the shit, and you still had to. fucking.
1: Yeah. Well, and you know, and 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 this is the part that I'm a little loath to kind of. I mean, I hope I'm not exposing uh, Stanley or whatever, but I think, I mean, when he did that, he gave us one of the most interesting characters or you play with alice cooper he's not always cutting his head off 24 7 gene simmons but. isn't expected what oh no you said okay, but I, i'm waiting I, for I, I, are you I,
0: I, i'm gonna say but the thing is when alice cooper is on stage and he becomes alice you don't want to fuck with that guy at all. I don't, I, I stay away. I stay as far away from his swords and stabbing it as as possible. And I'm sure that there was a, a huge, uh, level of commitment on Stanley's part that it, it wasn't faking it at all.
1: Um, well, I can say this, for example. um, um I remember one specific night we were on tour somewhere, um, and we'd all went out, maybe we had a day off the next day or whatever it was. And uh, and so we were, like, we'd, we'd met some kids at the gig, you know what I mean? And they were like, hey, we're having a house party, you want to come over? And, like, it was, I don't know if it's a Midwestern thing, but we always, we always wanted to be the band that we never had, you know what I mean? So, like, I always wanted to go to a Cheap Trick concert and ask Rick Nielsen if he wanted to come to my house and have some beers, right? <laughs> but he never did. And I'm still emailing him. Come on, Rick Beer, Phoenix. Let's go. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> um, but uh, uh, so we were, so we said yes, and we all went to this kid's house, and you know, and, and we were hanging out with the kid at the kegger, and uh, and Stanley was shit faced. I mean, drunk, stoned, just wasted, completely, completely in character wasted completely in character and and that was sort of concerning to me because again i mean i'm not diminishing the other guys' role in the band but i mean the the, the creative nexus of the band was me and him you know what i mean uh, right. Right. generally speaking it was like my riffs and my arrangements and stuff and and then he would sing on top of that. And there was some bleed over, like Rise Above off of that record. That was all Stanley. I had nothing to do with it. But like Telephone Call and We're Here Now and stuff is, is pretty much just my work. And, you know, he had some words in the verse or whatever. Um, but, I mean, so that we had to deliver the goods as far as the songs go. Now, being into Cheap Trick and whatever, uh, the idea of having a, a band that didn't look like we all belonged in a band together, you know what I mean? Cheap trick because you had Rick and Bunny, and then you had Robin and Tom. So in a weird way, we thought Stanley was sort of the next evolution of that of course, thing. That's what I was
0: trying to get at earlier. Yeah,
1: that's why I kind of circled around back to that actually. Um, but um, uh, so it made total sense to us. And in but the thing that again, to, sorry for the. Tangential thinking here, but uh, how do I put it? Okay, so there was just like people have, um, does that okay? Just like people have um, issue with parents and stuff, uh, Chris had those with his dad. Um, and I do know for a fact that um, his father, when he was still alive, whom he lost early on, had said to him, uh, You're never going to be anything more than a no good, dirty bum. His dad had said that to him. His dad, thank you, exactly. Then his dad passes away. There's never a resolution to the damage, or I would even say abuse. You know, it's not for me to say, but I mean, you don't say that to a fucking person, you know. Um, And again, it's not for me to say, but he did say it to his kid. And I think in the weirdest way, and also we all knew and this kind of goes back to another point you've made previously. When we first got together as Life, Sex, and Death, it was the late '80s, so grunge, grunge hadn't, um, grunge hadn't. <laughs> I like this dance we Grunge hadn't stepped in yet, right? So the sound that we had developed, um, uh, and again, not going into an ego thing, but I'd sort of envisioned it as if Cheap Trick from a hundred miles from where we grew up was like a more organic version of ministry because ministry and industrial, aside from like, you know, Einst and the and Killing Joke and whatever, ministry is kind of what mainstreamed industrial before Trent Reznor turned it into mall rock, right? Um and I don't mean that in a negative way, obviously Trent Reznor, right? Um uh uh, so and and so, a lot of the sort of angularity and the chromaticism, I don't know if you ever are you familiar with any of the life sex and death stuff? Uh, yeah, yeah I, Sorry, can you, okay. So when I say like you know, there's a lot of chromatic kind of half steppy stuff in there. not that like your audience is going chromatic half step. What the hell are these clowns talking about? Um, but, uh, and, and also the sort of quarter note snare thing. Uh, so it was kind of to embrace um, the heaviness That's of it. Done. Yeah. Without actually having to bring a fucking keyboard player with and like, you know, here, wear some black eyeliner. I don't know. Uh, yeah, whatever they're supposed to do in bands, um, and uh, 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 so that was really the plan. Was like Ramones, obviously, and then Cheap Trick and some industrial and stuff. And we were already sort we put of put a bunch of heavy guitar path. on
0: top of all of that. Put a bunch of heavy guitar on top of that, and I, I think a little bit another takeaway that we can actually surmise from. You know, you telling a little bit about Stanley and you admitting a little bit earlier in your own story. And me, I will admit right now that uh, strippers are not the only ones out there with daddy issues because myself included, <laughs> you know, here we go. Can, can, can we agree on that? <laughs> I need a hug. <laughs> <You go>. um,
1: <laughs> I hug you. <laughs> Oh my God! I'm so glad you said that. Um, here's my Hold take on, on that. Okay. Stay.
0: Oh my God! You're I'm frozen serious. now. No, no, I'm I'm right here. You're okay. We're back to normal. It's just our okay. we're having. Am I- South Africa to America to somewhere in Arkansas. Wi-Fi problems. Is my Wi-Fi okay, Vic? Give me a thumbs up if you think okay. So apparently I'm good. Um, I do have something very cool coming up. So I'm getting to this point. All right. So let me get to this point. Don't don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. In fact, we've already covered. We've already basically none of our fathers are going to show up today. Maybe maybe a Godfather, all right? If 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 I can actually speak uh, in in respect, with respect to Godfather of rock. But uh, we're going to move on to this section of the show called Let the People Speak. It's where uh, people that have been uh, asking questions all week uh, wanted me to relay them to you, and we can put a lot more of the comments on Vic if you want. Um, But the first one, it's a segment that we like to call.
1: Yeah, nobody's let, of, let, nobody's offended let, by that. <laughs> what?
0: Oh, it, it's not it's not supposed to be offensive. What's wrong with being sexy? Um, <laughs> 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 All right. So, the "Let the People Speak" starts off with our good friend Rob Lane, who you've had the pleasure to be on his podcast. Oh. Oh yeah, he's got a great podcast. Himself. Rob it looks Rob Lane <laughs> at Straight to Vid. That's his. Uh, that is his candle. He asks, uh, "What was it like relocating to the UK with Anti Product? Uh, the Anti Product fan base and the scene in general were really cool back in those days. Did that lead into clam abuse? So just to cut a a long story and make it longer, um, <laughs> after." After the uh, experience with life, sex, and death, it, it, and, and you know the bands that followed after that, you did move and relocate to the UK. So you can answer it from there.
1: Um, it. I certainly will, and I would just like to say, uh, Rob's actually a really, a really clever guy, and uh, I, I feel that part of the reason that he's asking this question is that I tell everybody that he was actually in Anti-Product. He was one of a two people that we were going to get as a bass player. And I, me and Rob, we've known each other for a long, long time, and there's very few people that I uh, uh, I, I hold in, in his higher regard. I love Rob, and he's been a, a good friend for many, many years. Um, well, you, um, you know that Rob the exact, Rob,
0: Lane in, Rob Lane played in uh, my solo band on the UK tour as well. So you, we have a connection there. And Rob Lane is a great bass player as well as a bass. great podcaster
1: and uh and a great guy and really intelligent and he's like he's we, musicians have a reputation as being kind of flaky and whatever not Rob Lane if he says something that's how it is um and uh I've got nothing but so this is turning into the Rob Lane show now but uh so ginger ginger uh, and another another Park. band aside from yeah, and which if you're not familiar with the Wild Hearts, I definitely suggest go checking the Wild Hearts out. This guy, I mean, he's a fucking machine when it comes to writing. He's, he's a machine, dude. Like, you know, we did this Clam Abuse album that uh, 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 Rob is talking about. We literally wrote the whole record in an afternoon. Yeah, there it is. We literally wrote that whole thing in an afternoon over a bottle of wine and a bag of weed. Um, and that's a uh, hand to God. I'm not making it up. of the song titles, to be honest with you, I, it's a, bo- it's a bonus. It's one of the bonus tracks. Um, and, and we literally, we like, we demoed the, like, we just, you know, he would have like a verse and a chorus and I'd put a bridge in, I'd have a verse and a chorus. He put a bridge in and it was, it was pretty exciting. I mean, I've never had that experience before we're writing. And that was when I was still living in LA. They brought me over to England to record the Clam Abuse album, uh, but I'd already had a version of Anti Product in LA at the time. Um, And we were already doing some of the Anti Product songs Bungee Jumping People Die, and Hey Let's Get It on a Few Things. I don't remember all of them. Um, But. uh, but
0: Hand to heart. the anti-product band and clam abuse do have a synergy to me. And I'll tell you why, because I, I feel that, uh, that's a hold on there, Vic, uh, anti-product, uh, basically had a Archie's and ABBA meets Slayer plasmatics, if you will. And, and I, I have always felt that perhaps that anti-product vibe, which eventually led into clam abuse, um, Had a bit of a Richie Stotts. Yeah,
2: okay.
0: Now, can you say that Richie Stotts had any influence on you at all, or not? Um,
1: Well, uh, how could this man not have an
0: influence on you? um, Well,
1: because I don't play a flying V. No, um, (laughs) uh, I, I never. I, I, when I was little, and they came out, uh, I thought it was unnecessary showboating which is really ironic for me to say i'm like you don't really have to wear a tutu but you don't really have to you know be stanley either i i, I see that so i think th- if there was an influence it would have i mean definitely rick nielsen more than richie stotts but i think as far as maybe the plasmatics pushed the boat a little bit further out from the harbor so maybe you know Seven years afterwards, when we came out, that influence was like it was it was okay to have the Ramones as an influence by the '80s. You know what I mean? Uh, Hence right. Green Day and whatever. Uh, uh, so maybe maybe so, but I mean, I was never like a, a – I was more like a Wendy O. Williams fan when she did Wow, the Gene Simmons record, um, than maybe the Plasmatics because I'm like looking for tunes and stuff. You know what I mean? I was well, that, always that, a that, song that, guy.
0: That's when basically the more classic rock Paul Stanley vibe took over and you can hear that in uh, Do What I Want to. And those types of songs. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's, it's basically yeah. like, it sounded like a, a poppier kiss song with Wendy, but you know what? My respect. Exactly. To, uh, my respect to Richie Stotts for, for, for uh, committing to the tutu. And um, I believe there's an old, <laughs> uh, what was that talk show? Tom. Uh, what was it? Tom Snyder thing. Snyder so Snyder. Snyder. If you watch Plasmatics, if you YouTube Tom Schneider on the uh the Plasmatics on the Tom Schneider show, you will be amazed. There is so much Rick Nielsen in Richie Stott, or, uh, Stott's sort of performance. Be- That's all I'm saying. I believe and, that. So so when I then when then when I'm listening to Clam Abuse doing the research for this uh, this podcast today, um I listened to a version of the Partridge Family. I think I love you. And yeah. I immediately think of the prodigy, but then I look at the credits and you friggin' had the drummer of the prodigy the in prodigy.
1: the band, yeah, Kieran, yeah, oh yeah. Man. Um, you so know what, and bones. that was uh. It's, a uh, um, you know, one thing that I did learn about, like, you know, I did, like, Ginger brought me over, to, again, sort of, uh, uh, do listen to the Wild Hearts if you haven't discovered them. You have to be aware of the Wild Hearts and part of uh, what Ginger has left as a legacy in rock and roll. Absolutely. Um, and he was a fan of life, sex, and death. The Wild Hearts had just broken up. He went to England, uh, uh, L.A. I was still living there at the time. And um, he went to L.A. for. Found me through a mutual friend, Rick Browdy, who produced the first Poison album and a bunch of stuff. Um, And uh, so uh, we started palling around and just like me and you, it's like stars, sparks, cheap trick, like everything that we share. I mean, we all have the same record collection. Um, And then so he brought me to England. We did the clam abuse thing um, and uh, not necessarily, okay. This is one of the things that when we were talking about daddy issues, um, stable, balanced people don't make good art. They don't have to. They don't need to make great art. They're, they're, everything's normal. For us, the freaks, the misfits, the weirdos, the one goth kid in Ohio, right? Um, uh, we're the ones who need the rock and roll. We need that creative outlet, that, that valve. of of expression um and um uh when we were doing clam abuse and i don't it's politically incorrect so forgive me but we were shit-faced wasted throughout that whole record right um and i'm not one to deny that being adventuresome is actually a good way to make art, obviously, within reason. You know what I mean? Um, meaning you want to be alive to say, I did that. <laughs> um, yeah. um, and, uh, 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 but I mean, we were definitely so. And that sort of opened my mind to, because when you're in the States, you know this, you don't show up to the gig late, you don't show up to the gig wasted, or you don't have a fucking gig. Right? You can't do that. Whereas England it is much more of a free for all. You know what I mean? Where you can still you can actually you can be wasted and do a good show as long as you're no know I'm wasted, I still have to do my job. Not that I do, but I did. <laughs> right? <clears throat> and so when we when I got to England and when I got to England, so it was, you know, it was a much more uh, uh Distilled. son.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. And that's not a bad thing. It's like, his little, look at Alice Cooper. He wasn't sober his whole life. You know what I mean? And those early records created the legend that is still being created. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, yeah so, yeah. I get it. and uh, it. And he doesn't, he doesn't deny it or turn his back on it. And it made some great art. And he still makes great art because uh, he, that's just the kind of person he is, I guess. But um, you'd know more so than I. But uh, so, you know, anyway, there is a place. You said Hunter S. Thompson. He wasn't going to church every Sunday. Obviously, it's about everybody gets, uh, everybody gets one chance for free at Young and Beautiful. Everybody got that one shot. What do you do? after that free pass is over you know what i mean that's the determinant factor which is why i think for dudes like me and you it's not about like if you thought back when we first started dreaming this dream and we were 16 or 17 or however the fuck old it was when we had we nothing else could make sense to us um we never thought we'd be this when we were in our 50s right no. and i look at iggy pop and i look at alice cooper and i look at steven tyler and i look at these fucking guys david bowie when he was still with us we're not cool until we're cool at 70 and your boss kind of made that a thing you know he what i set mean the bar
0: well he, the bar the bar is set the bar is set ultimately by mick jagger and keith i think and and then if if the guys that, you know, at least my boss, if, if he can, if he, he says he wants to tour five more years than that, which I'm happy about because then it'll give me five more years of employment. I'm great with that. Awesome. But uh, you know, so, so I think Mick and Keith are sort of setting the bar. Um, I'm going to move on because honestly, I don't want, I'm getting a, a little long winded with this, but at the same time, I'm enjoying the conversation that we're having with Alex Kane here on in the trenches and everybody, thank you very much for hanging in there with us in the actual chat if you're listening to us on an audio broadcast uh, make your way on over to ryan roxy official and then just hit that little subscribe button right there there's vic thank you very much for hitting that Really quick, another question from Let the People Speak, and then um, I think I have a special person that wants to come on um, and ask a question himself. But at Kip Smith, uh, how has spending the last year in Phoenix, as opposed to touring, uh, changed your approach to writing, collaborating and with others uh, performing your music?
1: Uh, that's uh, uh, Kip is actually a friend of mine as well, and that's a brilliant question. Thanks for that, Kip. Um, uh, uh, significantly, it um, um, uh, 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 um, a tiny little backstory, and I will keep it brief. But um, uh, Anti-Product was, to the best of my knowledge, anyway, um, one of the very first bands that was fan funding, which we began in 2000. Um, at the time, as I'm so fond of saying, it was still referred to as uh, not that Anti-Product. That's the other Anti-Product. No. The one where, uh, I look...
2: <laughs> Vic! Vic! Come on, Vic! Vic! <laughs>
1: He's
0: holding his hands up in the air.
1: <laughs> Thank you for that. Shows off! I'm going home! Oh, wait a minute, I am home. Um, well there was there was another band called Anti-Product as well that was sort of a crusty punk band and when I first got my version of Anti-Product together, I actually approached them because I wanted to do a tour of Anti-Product versus Anti-Product. Um, uh, I thought that would have been like a funny thing, but it never came to pass. They'd broken up by then at the time and that's that band there. Um, and like they're fantastic. You, ever, are you like really-
0: shot of that? <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: uh,
1: that 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 anti product actually has some really earnest fans because, like, when they mistakenly see my anti product, they get really shitty. Oh, this is what Muse! Everything that's wrong with music and blah 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 blah. I'm like, what? A band with three women playing ABBA Slayer hybrid music with a guy who looks like a cross between Gene Simmons and Kermit the Frog? You're saying that's what music has come to?
0: What's Uh, there not to like about that?
1: But uh, let me, me, I I know, but I don't fuck people. That's, you know, seriously. (laughs) Um it's I what it's I, humanity as a concept. I'm totally back, but in practice, and when it's not a theoretical construct, people are pretty disappointing on the whole. That's why I love animals and don't eat them. But that's another sidebar. Um, uh, but so uh, in not being enjoying my solitude and enjoying taking care of mom um, and not knowing how to. Get through trying times, unprecedented times, uh, tax phrase mania. Um, uh, you you adapt or you die. You adapt or you die, which is why when we were fan funding in two thousand, that was what I needed to do because nobody was going to sign and give a record deal to an Abba Slayer hybrid band with three latex clad chicks and a guy who looks like Gene Simmons meets Kermit the Frog fronting it, singing about dead bungee jumpers. You know what I mean? That doesn't scream the next Nickelback. So um, (laughs) I knew, I, I knew that you know through ginger that uh, a lot of the wild hearts fans took to anti-product um and that's totally courtesy of them and ginger um that that happened due to clam abuse and so we just started fan funding right away because we nobody would sign us but um so anyway as a result i was used to adapting right in as things evolve there used to be there used people used to draw art in caves and then that became passe and we switched to canvases so you get you know what i mean and then it went to the printing press and now it's all on the internet so you adapt or you die that's the only way and i'm good at that that's the survival we understand how that works right? right um and, uh, so, uh, and then I was really fortunate that a lot of people were like, whoa, he's not touring. And I didn't know this would happen. Uh, oh, uh, he's not touring. Maybe he'll play on my record. And I'm like, fuck yeah, I'll play on your record. I'm not touring. Um, and, uh, uh so as a result, I got to play on, uh, Minefield's record on the new Shameless record, which you might even know, um. Uh, you know, did Shark Island? Sorry, I'm looking at my list of things. So, like, all of these, these opportunities,
0: yeah. Shark Island is one of those bands that I'm really happy that you're part of because I really do like that band and that whole legacy. Um, I, I, I and we, we can get into all those bands, but hold on, folks. One of the one of the one of my favorite bands that you have actually been in, and you know that because I I've worn the t shirt before, stars and that was what oh no I, <laughs> I have okay, actually someone that wanted to come on the show and ask you a question about stars who might know a thing or two would you welcome a ritual <laughs> member of stars mr richie, richie rano hello richie ran <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh. oh wait we didn't we if he's wait hang on richie be entertaining
0: now 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 hold okay. on Hello wait, no, Richie, can, can you hear us? Can Can you speak Richie? Can you guys hear me? No, it's a little bit hard to hear you buddy. Uh, darn it. Uh, I can hear him. You can hear him okay? I hear him, wait. Say something Richie. Can you guys hear me? Can you hear me I can hear more? him. I can hear you barely. It's very, very quiet in my world. My, my producer is shaking his head no.
1: Really? Get closer to the microphone
0: fucking microphone is. It's like <laughs> He's a guitar player Come on. A, come on. It's right you. here, buddy.
2: <laughs> All right. All right. I'll
0: just shout. Okay. No. Sing it, okay. shout it, doesn't matter. See. <laughs> now hold on. We might have to we might have to have you come on and back on again. Sometimes that'll work. If if we can get you to come teach uh, you sign back on again, we'll try it but one I more can, time.
1: I hear hold it. Hold on.
0: Everybody here, everybody. If everybody can hear it, then uh, let's see if he can. Well, I, look, a lot of people are saying that you can hear you. I, I, I hear him very soft, Vic and I can't I him. hear him that much. But folks, that's our big Easter egg for the Inner Trenches uh episode from Down Under, I guess you could say. We are in South Africa coming from you live. From a library, like, uh, like, uh, <laughs> like Alex Cain was saying, Alex was saying that uh, he loves animals, so he doesn't eat them. I love books, so I don't read them. <laughs> <laughs> how, how, how you doing, Richie? Um, can hear me I can hear him. soft. You can hear him. Okay. I, I can yeah, hear I can him hear as him. well. It's very, it's very soft, though. I wish I could Just-
1: hear you louder. Just write your stuff on a piece of paper and hold it up to the camera.
0: So, <laughs> look at that. Wow,
1: Stories. Oh, is that with you? Oh, there he is. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's what
0: a, Richie's for. Okay. Is that coming out right now, Richie? I, gotta put,
3: I, gotta put my, I just got that record of like about uh, a month ago. Hey, uh, I got to put my cool glasses on now. Listen,
0: I just got
2: this guitar. Can you hear it? Yes. <laughs> anyway, just got it last
3: time.
1: I love it when he plays uh, the bridge from Don't Go Away Mad uh, like that. The <laughs> 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 so, Folks.
0: Yeah, it's it's. It, I mean, I can barely hear it, but I can hear it, and it's fine. And it seems like everybody in the in the chat can hear you. So you know, screw it. I, I can I can just play a little bit. A lot of people are saying, "Hey, Richie Randy, your buddy Brian K. Erickson, um, Little History, uh, stars four studio albums, uh, a multitude of albums over the years." Uh, I, you know. These two guys play together. I've been big fans of both of them, and I thought that it would be really nice to have, you know, basically Richie and Mr. Alex Kane on the same screen.
1: Two-fifths of stars right here, man. Lucky you, you're you welcome, Ryan. I'm,
3: gonna, <laughs> no, I'm blasted in and I'm shit-faced right now, Alex. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Stable that. balance is never...
3: <laughs> That's my drink. <laughs> Well, doing advertisers. So listen, I want to tell you guys, you, you guys are the greatest. And I met Ryan like uh, 100 years ago when he was on Electric Angels at a uh, an Aerosmith show. Do you remember that, Ryan?
0: It Was it the one that was way out in the oh. island?
3: No, it was uh, Meadowlands Arena.
0: Yeah, Meadowlands. Yeah. Wasn't Meadowlands way out in Long Island, right?
3: No, it was way out in New Jersey. It's just, you know,
0: it Meadowlands. Meadowlands is I lost you Wait. guys. I can't see you anymore. Okay. No, no, no. Got don't, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. It's our producer playing tricks on you, dude. He's playing mind games with you.
1: He's being a director now. He's going through his Francis Ford Coppola phase on your time. Now,
3: <laughs> I gotta say, I hope everybody can hear me. But anyway, Alex, that Bernie Tormé on your forearm. That's that's beautiful, man. He was a great, great guy, and I met him through you, and we became pretty friendly. We stayed friendly on online regularly.
1: And was that from Was that from the birthday bash? Ginger's
3: birthday bash. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah. Alex,
3: I have to explain to you one
0: thing.
1: Oh no. God! Here now. Uh, what, this is where he fires me. Watch.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's our soundbite. <laughs> I was actually
3: the first person to play with the Aussie band after Randy had the tragic accident, and I thought you knew that. And ran and that's how. Look at look there. at me and Ryan's
1: face. We didn't know. <laughs> I didn't oh, know.
3: Yeah. All right. Met in England. I immediately said, Bernie, I, you know, we met quickly out in L.A. during the, you know, the Randy auditions. There was only three of us. It was he and I and uh, Robert Sarzo, Br- uh, Rudy's brother. And I was oh. forced to play with them. And when I got into the room with them, I remember, I'll never forget it. Randy was, was a friend of mine, a pretty good friend of mine. And I was, Randy oh, that's was right. a, yeah. teenager when he used to get, somehow, he used to get backstage to star shows and come up to me and hang with me. And like, him and his girlfriend would just sit next to me and he'd tell me how much he loved stars. And I just, you know, Randy the kid, he was a nice kid. I didn't know that he played guitar, you know. I mean, he, wow. he played guitar, but... I didn't know he was, like, going to be the next greatest guitar player that ever lived. Uh, I wish The I next
0: Randy him. Rhodes.
3: <laughs> so they, these guys that worked for Ozzy, a couple of them knew that Randy uh, was a big Stars fan and stuff. And they, so they called me. Anyway, I went to L.A. and I played with them. And I, I'll never forget, they were like, oh, we got to actually play music now. We, we never thought we'd play music again. And we, they were, like, really freaked out. So we picked up our instruments and I said, well, these guys are freaked out. For good reason i mean i loved randy too you know so i just started playing riffs and we just jammed on riffs for like 45 minutes or so now an and then we played like maybe three or four Aussie songs and i thought that would be cool to get this gig but uh bernie got it. So i don't like talking about auditions that i didn't get but
1: well i didn't know that
3: well now you know i'm just you know
0: yeah you to- you got into stars and you didn't even need to audition right richie
3: Oh no! I auditioned for stars. That's the craziest story you've ever heard in your life. Let's hear it. Uh, yeah, I. It might be too long of a story to tell right now, but
0: dude, let's... I've been here with Alex King. There's nothing. So, there's nothing. There's there's nothing.
1: I it's that that boat is like in the middle of the ocean now, bro. Go ahead. <laughs> <You can't say laughs> we that. got hours. It's too long of a story. This, <laughs> it's a telethon. <laughs>
3: I'm so happy I got this, too. I was in Stories at the time, and we had Turner and Wise producing us, and they basically introduced me to Kiss before Kiss's first album. And, uh,
0: oh, that's was right. Was that because you had Bill of Coin management, right? That was- Yeah.
3: Stories was uh, just a Sidney Seidenberg management story. All right. Uh, so this is the Stories days. So now I, I meet up with Kiss in L.A., we're both stories Is playing the whiskey and they're recording Hotter Than Hell. We stay at the same little hotel. We hit it off great because I'm like the only musician on earth at the time who actually liked Kiss. I'm talking,
2: <laughs>
3: about, I'm talking about recording musicians. You know? So they got a real kick out of that because everybody resented them and hated their guts. Let's be honest. I know that. I was there. But I loved them. I thought they were great. So we hit it off really great. And uh, Gene said to me, you know, you should quit this group. You're a really great hard rock player because they were coming down to see us at the whiskey. And I said, Yeah, no, I'm not quitting the group. The number one, you know, single. And he said, Well, you know, O'Coin's looking for another band, and you know, you should put a band together. I said, Yeah, no, no, thanks. So then, anyway, six months later, we split up, and uh, I was trying to get something together uh, to bring to Bill, a rock, a hard rock group. I just couldn't find the guys. I was getting very frustrated. And my roadie in stories was named Tom Butler, who passed away uh, about a year and a half ago. Great, great friend. Always looking out for me. A real, true, great guy to have on the road with you. Anyway, he lived in the city. I didn't. I lived in Jersey. And he would read the Village Voice. And he called me up one day and he said, Hey, Rocksteady Management's got a new band. They're looking for a guitar player. This is right up your alley. Call this number right now. I said, All right, thanks, Tom. I call the number. Some douchebag answers the phone and says, Are you the only guitar player that ever lived? And I said, well, Probably not. And he said, I, think you. I said, well, then, okay. And I was about to hang up, and he s- kept talking. So then I said, He said, uh, I said, Well, why do you need the greatest guitar player to ever live? He goes, Because we already have one. I said, Well, then you don't need me.
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> two of them. It was Sean Delaney who I was talking to. Like, people don't know who he you can look him up, but I didn't know who he was. He tells me where the audition is, and I said, All right, fine. The guy sounds like a complete asshole, but it's. <laughs> all those guys, I'll go to Amherst. So I go to Chinatown, they go to this loft, and I say to my girlfriend at the time, who later became my wife and then ex wife, I say to her, why don't you just go with me, because I don't really want to go. And she <laughs> says, well, late, So I got this beautiful blonde girl with me, and I go to an audition, which is really unprofessional and stupid, but I did it anyway. As soon as we walk in the door, Sean says, no girls allowed! I said, well, too late, because we just drove here from New Jersey. So he goes, he takes her to some other room I want to leave. This sucks. And then he's, he's like, you guys standing there playing with their guitars, whatever. And then they lead me into a room when it's my turn. And nobody looks at me. And Brendan Harkin, the other guitar player, he goes, he, see, I remember this vividly. These guys don't even remember it, by the way. And he goes, <laughs> the on the floor, but he's got his back to me. Okay, great. I want to leave. I plug the thing in. Then he goes, one, two. And a said, oh, how about like a key? Yeah, anyway. oh, yeah. Hey, I just want to leave here. These guys suck, right? This whole thing. So they start playing a song called Sweet Jeremiah. It's kind of like a the way they did it that day. It was kind of like a mountain riffy kind of thing. Oh, this is pretty cool. I listened for about 30 seconds, and I started playing Leslie West-type riffs that fit to a mountain-type song. I'm playing, you know, getting into it. And then about a minute and a half at most goes by that we're playing. And then everybody stops, and they look at me in the eye. What's your name? I said, <laughs> oh, yeah? What groups have you been in? You've been doing things? You said. well, yeah, I was in stories. And then a few of them, like, said, well, we were in the looking glass. And I said, oh, my God, that's, like, identical bands. <laughs>
2: right. And
3: yeah. let's play some more. We played another minute or two. They put down the instruments. They didn't even talk to each other. They just said, you want to be in the band? <laughs> and I said, well, that's what I came here for.
1: Because <laughs> <laughs> it's I said, not... It sounded like he actually just went to the audition to get in a fight with Sean Delaney, like an actual physical. Like Richie's the guy. Richie's the guy. Like even to this day, like when shit goes down, you're like Richie, come, come on, bro. We, we don't know. Come on, here. Let's talk over here. Like he doesn't take shit from nobody.
0: I think, I think it's the name Richie that does it. I think it's the name Richie. Come on, Richie. It's a, yeah.
1: No, you're absolutely right. It's a thing. It's a thing. Yeah. <laughs> and it's it's so funny, too, because I wonder because me and you, Ryan, we're both huge stars fans. And I don't know if Richie hadn't been in stars, if that would have been the same band that me and you fell in love with. Well, you know what I mean? True.
0: Yeah, I, I know that g-
3: the reason Sean wanted Sean really wanted them to get another guitar player. They had a keyboard player and a guitar player. And he wanted to lead the band into a more hard rock direction. So they auditioned about 70 guys before they found me. And there were no hard rock guitar players. That wow. Had. And then when I walked in, I played exactly what they were looking for. And then I started writing songs. And the first song I, I wrote with them went like this. Mm-hmm. A
0: lot guitar.
1: But, Is it um, Cherry Baby? What's that? No, Is that's that, don't go, it's don't go away, Mad again.
0: <laughs> Holy <on>. Angel.
1: <laughs> hold on.
0: Now, because they they basically never wanted to play Brandy again, right? They never wanted to play Brandy again. I never. They never won.
3: Brandy no, 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 no. That
0: was no. They never. They 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 they, they said screw it. But uh, here's my thing, Richie. I, and, and maybe you agree with me, maybe you don't, because I know you had Jack Douglas produce the first two records, right? One of my favorite songs, though, is on the third record, "X Ray Specs." It's it's a cheap it's a cheap trick driven sort of vibe on it. I don't know if you Ramones. guys play together. What Ramones means cheap trick, but it's all beautiful pop mentality. What do you think of? Do you guys get to play that song live together even today? Because you've been in the band since two thousand thirteen, right?
1: Dude, I, I, no, he's been a little longer than that. You um, <laughs> uh, you know it's you know it's so funny, and Richie will back me up. I'm always and thank you for bringing that tune up because I am always saying, guys, we gotta fucking do X-ray specs. I Come love on. that song. God, that's and we are fans, Richie. Me and Ryan are fans, dude. And we're and what a great tune. And it still has. It was like a, a, a the transition between seventies rock and punk rock and stars was as per usual, the first band to amalgamate both of those things stars. Like if you guys don't know what stars is and yeah, I mean me and Ryan are fans and I happen to be in the band cause they obviously don't know who they hire, but a uh, 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 unbelievable band, you know, and let me, let me
0: tell you something. This, this, this podcast has gone from being all about, my ex girlfriend in the bass player <laughs> to to Rob Lane and his podcast and Great Bass Playing to Star's third record and the song X Ray Specs something that nobody was supposed to be just about Alex Kane and our good friend Richie Rano but
3: you know that's and great. here we are <laughs> you know uh, Peter Swingle our big player may rest in peace he was a great guy and great player and stuff. He came in with this song that went like this. I'll show you. Love it. And I said, What the fuck is that? And he said, I want to call it uh, Hellbent for Leather. And and, and I said, Look, we're never calling a song Hellbent for Leather, so forget it.
1: That would be super gay, yeah.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Rob Halford and they used to stay. They stayed in touch regularly, and he gave that title to Rob, and Rob used it. But
1: I said, wait, is that that's is that for real? Like that's actually?
3: No, oh, that's actually for real. And so I said, "No, man, that sucks. This is what we're gonna do now. We take those a couple of those chords you got. And we're going go like this." Ah. Uh... This is how we wrote this was a
1: reaction to that crap. Not that he wrote great songs. He was really great. And he wrote great songs. Yeah,
3: tear it down. Oh. Tear it down, and he wrote all night long, and it was just great.
1: Well, let's get it back to— Everybody um, needs uh, to check uh, out little, some stars.
0: Yeah, of course. We're going to check out stars, but we also have a little part of the show called Never Let the Truth Get in the Way of a Good Story, and I want to involve a couple, both oh. of you guys into this. And, and this is fact or fiction. Never let the truth get in the way of a good story. So right off the right out of the gate, Alex, Alex it's pretty obvious that uh, you have a fetish for working with Double R. Richie Ramone. Ramon, Randy Rose, you talked about. And now you're on the Ryan Roxy, Roxy. podcast. What is it with that,
1: it's a, well, no, it is a valid it's point. I'm glad, stuff. I'm glad, I'm glad somebody finally addressed this because it's really been gnawing away at me. But yes, I do. I have a thing for people with two R's in their names. Uh, that's a fact. And uh, uh, and actually, this is as good a time as any. I've actually been stalking both of you guys for the entirety of my life, um, uh, to the point that I'm on your show and I'm in your band. So. Booyah! <laughs> How about
0: Ricky Rocket? Have you played with Ricky Rocket?
1: Yeah, I have actually. Yeah, yeah, a couple of times.
0: And, and he used to go to the cat house, which was Ricky Rackman's
1: club. Yeah, no, that's where I draw the line, personally. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it's too obvious. It's too obvious otherwise. I, I need a friend with a T in their name.
0: Double Let's R. move on. Let's move on to uh, a never let the truth get in the way of a good story. This is fact or fiction for Richie. Richie. The band Stars was formed, was named after Richie's amplifier, which was a star amp model. Fact or fiction?
3: You're asking me? Yes. My guitar was F- so named after my guitar and this thing right here.
0: There it is. Everybody show their necklace right now. Because I've got a necklace. You've got a 45. And Richie's got a star there. That's what the actual thing was. That was fiction. His the, the band's name was named after his necklace. And I think you had stars on your guitar, right?
3: Our guitar, yeah. In fact, Sean Delaney came up with the name and he said... You guys think of stars, and I, I specifically, like Alex says, I'm always the first guy to react and say "fuck you," which I did. <laughs> <laughs> to think said to me, yeah, well, I got it from you with the thing, with the chain and the logo and the and the guitar.
1: I love that name. Yeah, that's a really good name. <laughs> that, uh, uh, this actually, uh, um, I got this one, uh, uh, you see, because there's no greater Ramones fan on earth than Richie Rano.
2: <laughs>
1: Not a big Ramones fan, but he still likes me. So, But uh, I, this was given to me by uh, Marky Ramone, actually, so I wear that with pride.
3: God, I know Mark. Listen, I know Mark. In 1973, I was in a group called Bungie that summer. We were from Manchester, and we were playing in wow. Ocean City, Maryland. And it was a group that we were playing with called Estes. No one ever heard of them. They had an album on Columbia. The drummer was Mark Bell, who is Mark Oh. Bell. And the other group we were playing with was called Max, and the lead singer was Frank Domino, and the drummer was Barry Brant. So we all go back to the summer of 73, Ocean City, Maryland? Pretty weird, right?
1: Wow. You know one of the weird – I'm sorry, go on. Sorry.
3: How can I join stories at the end of the summer?
1: Um – uh, the the one of the weirdest thing because I get to play in stars now and we tour with Angel a lot which I mean you're an Alice Cooper you know it's like how the hell did this happen right but I'm backstage and uh, Punky Meadows from Angel right and Michael Lee Smith our singer um, are backstage when we were playing at that place in New Jersey the name eludes me now but they're talk with yes exactly. Um, and they're talking about stuff that they got up to in the 70s and certain girls that they had in common. Now, I was already 50 years old at this time, but hearing these two guys that were icons of my youth uh, Talking about what happened in the 70s, I was looking around like I was 12 years old and I snuck backstage and I was sure somebody was about to kick me out where I'm going. I can't believe that I'm hearing Michael Lee Smith and Punky Meadows talking about their sexual escapades in the 70s. Somebody's going to kick me out of (laughs) here.
0: It's like it's like basically watching black and white porn.
1: I think yeah I <laughs> which which is another fetish i have nothing or,
0: or dad's porno mag there you go would yeah. you stop with that photo i can't believe it so and, and just a little known fact uh one of the biggest ramones album that was there was rockets to russia again with the rr just so yeah 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 so something like that
1: rr road to ruin road to ruin man i understand. Oh, it's I'm I'm busted right now. I got a thing for guys with with uh, projects with R's in them. So it only makes One sense i here.
0: Fact or fiction? Uh, this goes back to Alex. Alex, did you ever take part in a Disney Channel after school special with Kate in Love? <laughs> the actress <laughs> Kate Love. in Love.
1: It uh. Fact fiction? To um. Oh God. Oh, so much baggage being opened! Um,
0: I say fiction because you didn't actually do it. You didn't do actual. You didn't do an actual after-school special, but you did record a song with Kate in Love, and you can find it, folks, on his SoundCloud. Oh yeah, Yeah, anti-product site. It's still on
1: there. Check it out.
0: I want my rock. I do my research, buddy. Dude, that's
1: a great, I'm not for nothing, but that's a killer fucking tune, man. That's a great, I am so proud of that tune. I, I think because the whole thing was she was a Disney kid and she had her own show and blah, 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 blah. And then she was into rock and roll. And like all the people over at Disney weren't like rock and roll people. And we'd met each other. And then we sort of started having a, a, a friendship because she was working out of the same studio with like professional songwriters. But they just wanted her to be Kesha. And I wanted her to be rock and roll. And uh, so the game plan was to sort of aim her as being like a new Joan Jet with rock and roll anthems for a new disenfranchised generation of rock and roll people. Here's the other thing. People like the Grammy thing, if I may sidebar for a second rock and roll wasn't meant to be on the fucking grammys grammy is from the corporate uh, fucking boardroom rock and roll is from the gutter i don't give a fucking shit if they ever talk about heavy metal or rock and roll on the grammys because we don't want to be invited to their party we're fine and yeah okay they snubbed eddie van halen but that just shows that we don't want to be part of that party we're going to have our own fucking party the rock and roll party if you will so um Anyway, uh, 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 that's a great tune, and um, and there was a lot of young people that were craving rock and roll already back then when everybody was just thinking about Doctor Luke and Kesha. And I love that song. I, I all of the shit that me and Caitlin did together. She was amazing. She was really amazing. There you go. Yeah. So, we,
0: so we unearthed we unearthed a fictional story, but made it factual with with this great Is knowledge it, from Mister Alex Kane.
1: It's a fictional truth based in reality.
0: That's the best way to describe it. I love it. We're doing one last segment of the one that got away because only because we have animation for it. Vic, can you run the animation? I'll tell you what it's We lose about 50% of our audience every single time. The one that got away when we, when I put that animation on, but I love <laughs> it. So we'll keep
1: doing it. It's if worth it. Like. Fuck your audience.
2: <laughs>
0: well, well, Richie, this, it starts with you because the one that got away, it comes from our, 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 very own Stanley Gable. Who's actually brought this segment to life. And now we just do it as a tradition. We give it to you. It's um basically asking you about a piece of gear that you wish you still had, and either you had to sell it, either it got stolen, or you had to part with it in some way, but you wish that you could have that piece of gear back. Is there one that got away for you, Richie? What is it? Oh, God.
3: But it's pretty much everything I ever had. But.
2: Just-
0: <laughs> <laughs> <My>, my- <The laughs> cabinets,
3: the cases, burned up in a freaking fire. What? what?
0: What 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 fire was this?
3: It was uh in Doobie's garage.
1: Oh Jesus.
3: I temporarily put my all my equipment in Doobie's garage while my house was being uh, renovated, like being redone. And of all the times to put it there, it burned down and all my Marshall equipment was in there. Ugh. Can't get it again. And it was customized. There was no it was an instant great sound, but then I realized that the guitar player creates the sound. <laughs> it's not the amplifier. So I've, I've yeah. found every amp i play through, just turn it to a certain way, it's okay. But I do miss those amps. They were painted the stars. Uh, I, I, there were a couple things that were left after that, but for the most part, I lost most of them, let's put it that
1: way. Oh, that's brutal. And me and Ryan, yeah, totally, re- re- we remember those amps, man. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah.
0: Fuck yeah. Especially the road cases. So Alex, sure. what about you? What's about the one that got away? Do you have one that got away?
1: Absolutely. I would like to begin with having my soul back, but I don't know where to get that. <laughs> well, I love- Unfortunately, Richie's
0: had all of his equipment, the, the ones that got away, but what about you? Is there a particular one?
1: Yeah, I, I would. I would start with my soul. Ideally if, if I could get that back for- eBay. That would be nice, but I don't know that I can. But I did Antiprise a had all of its gear stolen when we were in the middle of a tour. Uh, so I lost a, a 69 gold top. That was gone. I'd like that back. That's for sure. Yeah, And I wish people would stop stealing musicians' instruments because it's like whatever we have, we invest in our gear. Don't fucking steal it because it's all we got. What about you, Ryan? Damn
0: I'm, it. I'm Unfortunately, um, no, no, I, I've usually stolen stuff and, and I've just bulked up my equipment over the years. So it's been okay. quite good. I'm that guy. No,
1: do you, I, you, know, do you I, have my, you have my gold my top. First,
0: no, I don't. I still have oh. my, my 72 gold top though. And I'm, I'll bet you, you know, it's a, it's a very nice one. I call that my first girlfriend. And luckily that gold top didn't sleep with the bass player of Demol. <laughs> The thing is, one of the, I guess my, the one that got away from me would be my first Stratocaster because that was my very first guitar I ever was cream colored, Jimi Hendrix maple neck, Strat, you know, Strat, and it had the it had the bullet. It was like a CBS with had, but it had that bullet truss rod. It was really really oh. cool. I, I really I really loved it, and I think I sold sold that in high school because, um, I liked the way an Ibanez Destroyer looked.
1: Yeah. So <laughs> you,
0: <laughs> you get Which wasn't even an Explorer. It was an Ibanez Destroyer. It wasn't even an Explorer. That's the thing that really kills me. But, you know, I, I, I think they, they came out with a blue one and a red one at that point. And I think Richie Stotts played the blue one and Rick Nielsen played the red one or vice versa. I'm not sure what it was. But I needed a humbucker pickup because my Strat
1: couldn't oh, get this. Oh, shoot. Sure.
0: And so I think I straight I traded it like straight across. And the guy was just like, yeah, that's a good deal you're getting, son.
1: And- <laughs> I can't believe I'm doing this. <laughs>
0: yeah so that's that but anyway i I, want to move on because apparently the internet we've been uh we've been heisted by the internet our show has crashed we've broken the internet alex our stories have gone so long that apparently youtube doesn't even have the bandwidth anymore but our producer has sidebarred me and said that we are going to uh, release what we have taped so far And we'll re-release it as the uh, Full broadcast coming up so folks If you can't see us right now you will see us Soon enough um, I will do one more segment of Heading out to the highway because I want Everybody to follow Richie and To follow Alex on their socials If they would like so Richie What's the easiest way for people to get in touch With you please tell us
3: Should
1: uh, I to to get my phone number? <laughs> <laughs> Not unless you really want to but <laughs> Uh, call me
3: i have a regular facebook page it's filled up but then someone created a fan page for me on facebook richie rano new york new jersey fans and i'm not on instagram i hate social media facebook i can tolerate because i don't look at anything else but my own page and (laughs) (laughs) Uh, oh there's a website stars central s-t-a-r-z com. that's about it but thank you i appreciate it
0: I love it, Richie. Thank you so much for coming on and being our special guest. You stay on there right now. Alex, please tell everybody all your uh, your links and your socials and where you want people to come and check you out. Uh,
1: well, just uh, uh, one thing, uh, uh, and I don't know if this is something that you're doing, but like in these, uh, quarter, there we go. There we go. Okay. Um, if the, Can they see that? If they can see that, yeah, I don't yeah. even have to talk. Yeah. I can just go pee right now. No, no, you, you have okay. to see it
0: for the audio program. Yeah, just get
1: Oh, okay. Uh, Yeah, so uh, on Instagram, and I'm actually reading this right now, by the way. On Instagram, I'm at Alex fucking Kane. So add that G because, uh, you know, grammar is important even in rock and roll. Alex fucking Kane. Um, On Twitter, apparently, I'm Alex fucking Kane as well, which I don't really. I only go on Twitter to, like, stir up shit politically. And then uh, I've got, it's true. It's true. I just do it to piss people off. Um, And then Facebook, it's Alex Kane, K A N E. -E 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 And one thing I would like to say is one of the ways that a lot of us musicians are staying alive uh, when without the benefit of being able to tour is by selling merch. So which is actually something Richie was at the very forefront of. Um, So uh, 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 get a hold of us directly if you want any kind of anti-product or life, sex and death merch that uh, I'm the guy to go to. I got that for you. Hit me up.
0: There you go. And you know what? From the beginning of the show, you said, uh, Vic, you said, get those uh, Ryan Roxy coffee mugs to all our guests and our, you know, that come on the show. Let the guests that come on our show know where they can get that. Rock and roll. Do you really coffee have coffee mugs? <laughs> there it is. We have it for you right there.
1: Wow! And I'm gonna our listeners wanna-
0: go right there. But we'll, we'll work on getting uh getting coffee cups and mugs and everything for everybody. Dude, I will on. leave This podcast. I will leave this podcast with a quote from you, Alex. From I think it was 2000, maybe 12. Okay. This is your quote.
2: I'm actually planning.
0: Hold on. Let me say it. I'm actually planning on spending my time from December 21st, 2011 to December 21st, 2012 being the biggest hedonistic drug taking (laughs) slut that reality will allow. If this is the last year, babes, you said babes actually, and that, I think our own, uh, all right. Um, Being that this this is the last year, babes, I'm not sure, I'm for sure not spending it at the gym. If I wake up with a Hunter S. Thompson sort of hangover on December 22nd, 2012, well, then I'm quitting everything, and I'm living in the gym, I'm reading the Bible, I'm doing sit-ups, I'm saving orphans, and I'm paying taxes, (laughs) but not until then. So, Richie, and... You'll attest to this. Can we can we actually agree that Alex has been reading the Bible, doing sit-ups, saving orphans, and paying taxes ever since 2012?
1: I can verify it. Can
0: okay, there you go. Is that another
1: fact or fiction thing? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, I think if we had bullshit to put up there, that's what it would have to be.
1: So, well, I I, re- I do rescue animals. I pay sales tax i I don't don't Uh, i pay sales tax when i buy stuff uh what was the other thing and i well i am i am taking care of mom so in a way it's like the church of life so i can bend words thank you're welcome this is this is what it's like being from chicago yes exactly it's not a lie let's change let's change what truth is
0: (laughs) how about this Next time, that we all have really good internet, and I can actually hear what the fuck Richie is actually saying, and uh, and and you don't freeze every single minute like Max Headroom, and then have I know, been? Well, yeah, pretty much the whole entire show. Oh. Happened, but- but, but don't worry about it. Don't worry. Because you know what? We'll have both – we'll have all three of us on again because it was a really good chat. And then everybody will have technical – we'll have no technological problems. And then by then, everyone will have been following your socials. Everybody's been calling Richie Rano's home phone number,
1: which he has. almost <laughs> gave out. And you guys will all- I'll post it on my Instagram. Hey there! <laughs> and everybody will own
0: a Ryan Roxy cup. Everybody will own a Ryan Roxy cup at that point. So how much
1: are how much are those? How much are those cups?
0: Uh, don't worry. We'll, we'll we'll try and send you one off of Vic's. Uh, well, Vic's shaking his head no. So um, no, that- Artist <laughs> All right, <sighs> folks. It's just the three
3: of us.
0: It is just the three of us. Nobody
3: can hear anything. Just the three of us.
0: Well, don't, they're going to hear it when we rebroadcast it. Why, do you want to start dropping some F-bombs? Yeah, I was going to go. <laughs> All right, well, we're, I'm, going to, I'm cutting out right now. Richie, thank you very much. That's, that, there he is. That's Richie Reno from STARS right there. That's Alex hey, Kane that. from STARS and anti-product and clam abuse and Oops, fucking hi, life, everybody. sex, and death. And fucking, you just... Go look for a band. Look up in the sky. (laughs) (laughs) I love you guys. Thank you for hanging out. We'll have you on again when we're all like, you know, internet savvy. And until next time, everybody there, hold on for one second, guys. Everybody that's in the chat, thank you for hanging with us for this special extended uh, podcast version from down in South Africa. We'll see you next week. Until then, enjoy the ride. In the Trenches with Ryan Roxy. Hello. Moby, give him his guitars back.